listening to the TNT Effect, the Athletes Podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Tierra Roll. Let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with Kyla Coleman. She is a former Division I track and field athlete and a graduate of the Florida State University. What? No bloody, right? All the way, all day. What's going on, Kyla? How are you today? Pretty good. Just sitting here, sipping on my tea and about to get ready to start my day in a little bit. All right, all right. So, Florida State. First of all, let's talk about what age you got started in sports and how did you get started in track and field and tell everybody what events you participated in? Okay, so I got started in sports when I was about four years old. So pretty much my whole life, I've been an athlete. Um, I have an older brother who's about four years older than me. And at the time he was playing basketball. And so my mom, I guess she asked me, did I want to play basketball? And I was like, yeah, probably didn't even realize what basketball was at four. But she got me started in that. And I played basketball up until I was about maybe 14 because I did it in a little bit in middle school and high school. And then I got started in track because my brother did like spring football and summers, you know, stuff like that. So I knew that if he was doing spring football, I had to be doing something because my mom wasn't going to be able to pick me up until he got done with football and she got off work. So instead of me just sitting outside talking to my friends after school, I was like, let me just join another sport. Um, So I joined and yeah, it was track and field. I did shot put and discus in high school. And then in college, I did a little shot put and discus, but I mainly specialized in the weight and hammer throw. Okay. So So it was by accident that I got into track and field. I just followed one of my friends. She was like, well, come do this one if you're going to choose a sport to do. So I was like, okay. Okay. And I was good at it. You were good at it, and it led you to Florida State. So were you a scholarship athlete? So yes and no. Yes, because I received 75% Bright Future Scholarship. So when it comes to track and field, they don't always give out full scholarships to everybody because they have to divvy it out to sports. So if I would have taken a track scholarship, which they did offer, I would have had to turn down my academic scholarship. My track scholarship would have been way less than what I was getting paid for academics. So I was like, no. So even though I wasn't technically a track scholarship athlete, I still was treated as such. I still traveled, participated, did all of that good stuff. They just got the benefit of not having to pay for me to be there. Right. So with the uh, with your with your academic scholarship, did you have to maintain a certain GPA to keep that scholarship? Yes. Now, what that was, I'm not quite sure, but academics has never really been hard for me. And to be honest with you, track and field is one of those sports where they really um, make sure you stay on top of your academics. We call it a smart sport. So we're not out here with, you know, the quote unquote dumb jock title. No, everybody on that track is pretty smart. Okay. You you know what? I know a few people who went on to do some big things and we're going to touch on what you had, what you did as well. So what did you major in? Um, I was a double major. So I did English and with Florida State, you have to have a concentration when you do English. So my concentration was in creative writing. And then my second major was Spanish. Okay. So with track and field, all the traveling, the commitment to training, how were you able to manage your commitment to sports and your commitment to maintaining an awesome GPA? Or I think it was awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it was. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, like I said, they were not playing. And when you're on an academic scholarship, too, and you're a Division One athlete, you really have to stay organized. So there's a planner that I started using in about 2007 or 2008. It's called Action Day. I stick with this same type of planner. Um, it made me lay out my full schedule from like 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. And so I just really remained organized. I knew what my class schedule was, what time I had to do rehab, what time I had to lift weights, and then what time we had to practice. Um, So it was just really about staying on top of that. And then also, if I ever got overwhelmed, um, relaying that to my coaches and letting them know, like, look, I'm really having a tough time. What I can say about Florida State is that they really prepare you to be mentally tough. Um, that's where I learned meditation. That's where I learned how to talk about my feelings, talk about any anxiety that I was dealing with. And actually when I was at Florida state, I was diagnosed with something called sports performance anxiety. So I didn't know what it was, but sometimes people call it choking up. And, um, my coach put me with the therapist and I was able to get through that. And I still use those practices today, today in my career. So you you all had a um, a sports psychologist on staff? Exactly. Yep. And so they worked with each each athlete individually, or was there like um maybe in the beginning when this when the athlete first came in or the beginning of the school year or or training year, performance year, did they assess each athlete or was it kind of a as needed basis? I think it was an as-needed thing. I didn't know we had a a person like that on staff until my coach kind of was like, I went to an ACC meet and I didn't do well at the meet. And there was no reason for me not doing well because I'm trained, you know, to perform. And I think after that meet, he was just like, okay, I feel like I know what she has. And he referred me to her. So um, I started seeing her like maybe once a week, wrote out my goals, all of that good stuff. But I'm not sure how else you would be able to see that particular person, um, whether it had to be a referral from a coach or not. I just know I'm grateful. So that was actually a good thing that your coach was able to recognize that something was off. Like I need to figure it out because everybody who's a part of the team needs to be able to recognize something. You may not be, you know, skilled in that profession, but at least, you know, you have some fundamentals on how to recognize when an athlete needs help in some area that you are not equipped to, to help them in. Yeah. And so I like it because I felt like my particular coach, so in track you have one head coach and then you have coaches of different events. So my coach of my event, Coach Metters, he's the one that referred me to the sports psychologist. But what I like about him is that he cared about us as athletes overall, because he knows, you know, some people are going to go pro. Some people are just going to go right into professional life after sports. So he wanted to make sure that whatever we decided to do, that we were on good ground when we left. And you don't get that a lot at some division one schools is you perform or you get out and it's never let me figure out what's going on with this athlete. So I'm very grateful that he noticed me and that he took the time out to make sure that I got what I needed. And like I said, to this day, I still use those same practices, visualizing myself when I'm doing different things, talking to myself, you know, giving pep talks, writing out my goals. Those are things that I didn't learn in high school. I didn't have a coach like that in high school. So, yeah, it's a blessing. It sounds like it was. So going back to time management, you figured out a way to 
set yourself up for success because the way you just spoke about how you laid out your schedule and there are other athletes that I've come across that no ma'am that does not happen they are if they can figure out what the next thing they have to do (laughs) in their schedule that is a blessing so that I mean I think that's great um figuring out how to manage your time because it is extremely important it's not like the typical uh students experience in in college and so you have to be able to navigate all these different moving parts and coming in as a freshman when you're going from zero to 100 in like no time that is a big thing to figure out early yeah and definitely demanding i mean when you're a freshman and sophomore you're not really in your major classes yet um so it really came in handy for me to start getting organized then when I was just taking my basic courses because then when it came down time for me to get into both of my majors I really had to be on top of it and then being an athlete too so it is what it is but it was to the point where my coach didn't know what I was doing and then one day I was planning out my schedule because I always plan ahead for the next day um, so he saw me writing it out. He was like, can I photocopy that so I can show other people what a student athlete schedule looks like? I was like, yeah. So he would use that on recruiting tours and different things like that to show parents and potential um, athletes what their schedule may look like. I like that. I like that. It was a, uh, he had him a little tool to get some athletes in like hey this what we this is what we can teach your athlete this is what we can you know yeah. groom them to do or at least hopefully groom them to do true I was better back then though it was coordinated color coordinated like blue would be classes black would be when I needed to do something for sports and then I think pink was if it was something fun I even wrote in there you know to spend time with God you know on certain time because I feel like I was just so packed I know I need to put that on my schedule sometimes but yeah it was I'm impressed with that too myself looking back like you 18 19 years old and doing all of that most adults don't even have life together like that so girl I can attest not me (laughs) (laughs) but it set it up for what I'm doing now so I need to be you know on a schedule so walk us through maybe one of those days or a week if you can remember yeah um so I guess it would just vary. Track has two seasons. You have indoor and outdoor, um, which really start like in the end of December and goes probably until beginning of summer. And then when you're not training, you're doing like uh, conditioning. So like we started conditioning, I think maybe in September, October, something like that. Anywho, but one of my class days probably would start like around nine o'clock in the morning. And then I would have back-to-back classes until about maybe 11 or 12. Then I would try to get some um, physical therapy in because I broke my foot my senior year of college. So I had to do physical therapy, which lasted for about an hour. And then I would do uh, actual uh, practice, which because I did two things, a hammer weight throw, I would probably be practicing for a block of two hours. So let's just say from three to four or five thirty and then I would go lifting after that, which could last anywhere up until seven o'clock at night. Cause we're doing Olympic lifts and you know really taking our time. So then after seven, because I know my calendar only goes from about seven to seven, I still would have to make time for homework. 
So even after I got done lifting, we had a um, cafeteria that we can go to to eat. So I probably will go grab something to eat. Then I will go back to our academic area and get any tutoring that I might have needed, as well as just get homework done and then go home and go to sleep and do it the next day. So I don't know if that made a lot of sense, but pretty much every hour of my day was taken up. Yeah, it's 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 a done deal. So yeah. we talked about how the coaches played a role in your athletic career. We talked about it still does. It still does. And that's mm-hmm. important to be able to build that type of relationship and be able to maintain it past sports. And so yes. We also I still call my coach. I still, you know, we're friends on Facebook. Um, he'll text me randomly. Sometimes I'm just so proud of you and everything you've accomplished. Pretty much everybody who was a thrower on the team and even people who weren't throwers, they loved our coach. And our coach now is the head coach over at, um, I think, what is the school Michael Jordan went to? UNC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the head coach of track and field there. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I actually like Coach Matters. He was, he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about sports site. Now, you mentioned you broke your foot. So, one, we want to talk about how that experience impacted you in that time, your senior year, right? And then also talk about how the role of um, the athletic trainers and the physical therapists. I'm not sure if you all had an actual physical therapist on staff at that particular time, but maybe somebody came in. But I do know athletic trainers, you know, uh, perform the, um, the rehab process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Um, so the person who I did my physical therapy, my PT with was a, a trainer, but um, his name was Geronimo. I think Geronimo might still be on staff with football, but he is amazing. So to back up, when I broke my foot, it was around September-ish of uh, my, my senior year. And I broke my foot in practice. We were uh, doing some warm-ups or something like that. And I just, just a freak accident. I rolled my foot over and it broke. And I need my feet in order to throw. You need your feet, period. But so that happens. I remember um, huddling over to Geronimo and saying, hey, I heard something pop. I'm not sure quite what happened. And pretty much I broke my foot on a Thursday. I went to a doctor on a Friday. And Monday I was getting ready to have surgery. They don't play when it comes to the athletes. They're like, nope. And especially when you're one that performs and brings in points for the team, they're like, we don't play around with that. And like I said, indoor season starts about December. So they knew, okay, mid-September, she's broken her foot. We got to get her back on track at least by January. If she's going to miss some, you know, indoor uh meets that's fine but we at least got to get it back on track by January so it really took a shot at my self-esteem because I had to allow people to help me when you break your foot your own crutches Tallahassee is a very hilly um city so I'm crutching up hills and just uh and the campus um, is huge so (laughs) right the campus is huge so you know sometimes my friends would drive me to and from other classes sometimes they would have the van for me from uh, Florida State Athletics to drop me off if it was one place that was on the other side of campus but I had the most up-to-date recent crutches um I had ended up going into a boot after my foot started getting stronger definitely uh rehab I want to say I feel like I was rehabbing daily if it wasn't me doing something to strengthen my foot it was something to strengthen my leg to make sure it didn't atrophy from my other leg because my legs were pretty strong um 
But yeah, it was it was a whole thing. And, and I also had to really make a lot of appointments with my psychologist because um, when you break your foot, you're just afraid like to to put weight on it, to do the things that they're demanding for you to do. Um, and I know Geronimo, my my trainer at the time who was doing my rehab, was very encouraging. I have a titanium screw in my foot now from what happened. And he was like, Kyla, that's better than having a bone in your foot. He was like, look, you know, you can do anything on this foot now. So I just started believing that. I don't know if it's true or not, but it felt like it was true. And I ended up having the best season ever at Florida State after that. Hey, it it worked. I mean, yeah. I mean, does it bother you now? Um, like if it's, you know, rainy outside or cold, I can, it'll ache every now and again. Uh, when I go to the courthouse or when I go to the airport, sometimes it picks up on the titanium screw, more so the courthouse than the airport. But yeah, I, I've not really had any issues with it. And I think at the, not, I think, I know at the time Florida State had some technology that had just come out that helps grow bones. Like it helps stimulating. Yeah. So I did that. And then some scraping thing. That was not the most pleasurable. But yes. So it helped because he was like, we can't have scar tissue down there. And it was a blessing because I don't have scar tissue. I don't have any buildup. It's pretty smooth down there. Like you would not know that anything had even happened to my foot. Nice. Okay. So we, the athletic trainer, they helped in the rehab process. Tell us how they help during everyday training competition. Girl, well, you saved my life when I was at Florida State. <laughs> Um, because you know how grueling, if we're not in actual season, they really are shaping our bodies to be beasts. Um, sorry about that. So we're having to do stadiums and people think when you go to other schools and you see throwers, oh my God, they're not in shape. No, we were in shape, tip top shape. So yeah, you saved my life one time when I was having to do stadiums. My coach told me I had to make it all the way up to the top without stopping or I was not going to be able to come back to any more practices. Basically, he was like, you do this or you off the team. I made it all the way to the top. I think it was like 84 steps at Florida State in the stadium. Made it to the top, collapsed. You ran up there. Not only did you run up there, but you had, um, I think, one of the smoothies or one of the drinks, get Powerade. Um, so you came up there with that and I was just like, oh my God, like one, I didn't even know you were out there watching us. Um, and then two, you just really saved my life and made me feel encouraged. So y'all are lifesavers for real. If we ever, um, need to be stretched out, um, y'all are really good at that. And then I think y'all just kind of like look at our bodies to know what's tight, what's not. Um, and then you're really good at assessing what we need when we describe if we're in pain or anything like that. So I really got a better image of athletic trainers at Florida State because the little trainers we had in high school, I feel like they were just kids out there. They kids like us. That's not what are, <laughs> Right. But y'all are studying this, studying our bodies and our sports to know what the demands of our sports are. And then I felt like y'all were cheering for us too. So it kind of felt like we like had little friends and we're still friends to this day. I am friends with the majority of my athletic trainers that I had at Florida State. Nice. Whether it's in real life like this or on Facebook. One of them got married a couple of years ago. I went to his wedding, Ellie. I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, so that 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 situation you're talking about, girl. I don't remember if I ever told you, but uh, while I'm saving your life, girl, I almost lost my. 
<laughs> I, I, first of all, it was. It, I don't think if you were, you probably remember more than I do, but I don't think it was the the regular, the standard size steps. It was like the higher steps with the the, uh, and it was spaced out further, right? As you get up higher, it, yeah. it spaces out further. So my yeah. little short legs <laughs> running up there, and then mind you, I like before practice started, I drank like probably two to three of those cups of smoothies that we had. And so when I ran up there to help you, like you had walked off and I, I threw up. (laughs) 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 See, people make it seem like it's super easy, but no, like in a mat, you done, you did one, right? So I think back, back in those days, we would do stadiums and ramps. There were ramps um, in the back of the stadium that take you up to the top. So usually our coach would make us do like, I think five stadiums and eight ramps or eight stadiums and five ramps. So it was still a lot more, you know, to do. And if you almost threw up running up there, you know how it felt for everybody else. Right. So I'm so sorry. I should have tried to save you. Or my coach should have <laughs> ran up there and tried to save you. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> I knew. I was like, oh, she down for me. Like, I, hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> you, are, you are welcome. You are very much welcome. Man, whew. Fun times. So, let's see. Strength and conditioning. Let's talk about how they participated in making you the athlete that you were at that time. Yeah, so um, we did strength and conditioning pretty much year-round. So even in the summertime, remember I said track lasts up until maybe the beginning of the summer. But even then, you would take like maybe a couple of weeks off and still be in there um, doing a lot of reps more so than heavy weight. Um, But they were good with cardio because people don't realize what you have to have a good cardio even when you're throwing. Um, we definitely were top notch. Nobody could put anything on Florida State when it came to throwing in our bodies, but they would measure what, um, how much we would be lifting, and then they would set goals for us to hit. So we would do Olympic lifts, which I hate to this day. Great at it, but I I won't lift the weight on purpose. Um, <laughs> on purpose. So we were doing like uh, cleans, snatches, uh, bench press, incline bench. Of course, squats and um, just anything you can think of, but it was always measured out. And so you would have goals. I think it was like an eight-week increments or something like that, and we kept it written on paper. So we had to write it down. Our trainers would have, not a trainer, our strength and conditioning coaches would evaluate it, see where we were weak, see where we needed to improve, as well as where we were strong. And, yeah, we were putting up heavy numbers. I used to hate it because – I don't know how it's, you know, set up now if the football players still share a training room with everybody else, excuse me, a weightlifting room with everybody else, but football players will be upstairs looking down at the girls who were lifting, specifically the throwers, because we probably were throwing up as much weight as they were, and I would just be so intimidated because I'm like, uh, why do they have to look at me lifting this heavy stuff? And I'm like... So if there are any um, young ladies who are out here that will listen to this or watch this, please don't be intimidated by being strong. You got to be strong, especially if you're going to be a Division One athlete. I used to be self-conscious of my legs. My legs were diesel. They were very fit and toned. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go out here and wear tights to compete. That's what you got to do. Track bodies are beautiful bodies. 
This is true. And if my legs were not strong, I would not have been a great thrower. So there's that. It was me just being self-conscious. But yeah, they were very instrumental, our strength and conditioning coaches. And they would go back to our actual coaches and let them know what was going on and what our numbers were. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and also monitoring to make sure that we were lifting correctly, because if you're not lifting with proper form, you know, you'll hurt yourself. And also to strength and condition, it helps to prevent from injuries, because if you're strong, you know, you're not going to be as likely to be injured out there competing. Absolutely. And so strength and conditioning and sports med staff work together. Yes, it was excellent. <laughs> Yeah, it's excellent. Like, it just felt like a flawless system. It kind of felt like when when I was there, the focus was on me. You know, how can we get her to be the best athlete possible all around? So mental, physical, uh, preventative things as well, like, you know, the uh, physical therapy or the strength and conditioning. And it just kind of felt like a supportive team. Mm -hmm. Did you have to work with the nutritionist? Yeah, girl, but I didn't really pay too much attention to that. <laughs> um, I wish that I would have because when you're young, you just want to eat everything and, you know, your metabolism is higher. Plus, you're doing all of this working out so you don't care. But I think if I could go back, I probably would pay more attention to my nutritionist um, because I think me realizing now how certain foods affect me and give me energy, I probably would have been even better if I would have paid attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But our coach is kind of built it in too. So if we were going to a meet, they would carb load us and you know different things like that to kind of help. Um, but yeah, nutritionist was dope though. She was amazing. It, it was me, <laughs> not her. It was me. And All we me. would have classes. She would have classes to um, teach us, you know, what to do. But the one thing that they stayed on top of us was making sure that we were hydrated. Um, yeah, very. Then, Huh? I said very big, especially for that Florida heat. Yes, making sure we were hydrated. We had to drink water. To this day, girl, I'm always drinking water. Like, I do not play about that because water even helps you mentally, like, stay on top of things. Um, And then also after we worked out to make sure that if we were not eating immediately, that we had a muscle milk or something that was there to kind of help replenish you after losing all of that the electrolytes and losing all of that energy. We all, I hate muscle milk to this day, but I knew that, you know, remember I told you after I worked out, I would sometimes be able to grab something to eat and then have to go right into doing homework. So I would just grab a muscle milk and go up to the academic room all stank and sweaty, but they were very good about hydration and post-workout stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what were some of your challenges as an athlete? Um, one, like I told you, the sports performance anxiety, that was very difficult, especially when you come into an elite program and you're expected to perform on a certain level and you're not able to perform because of what's up here in your mind. So that was my biggest hurdle that I thought I never would be able to come out of. Now you can't tell me nothing. Um, so, cause I, like I said, still practice the visualization and things of that nature. That was hard. That probably pretty pretty much was the hardest thing athletic wise in stadiums. Um, <laughs> other than that, it was my academic load, and um, I always knew that I wanted to go to law school after uh, uh, undergrad. So I had to keep my grades up for my academic scholarship as well as well as to be able to compete, as well as to be able to get into a competitive law school. 
So it was just very difficult sometimes having a double major and a competitive um, uh, sport. Absolutely. What did you enjoy most about your sports experience or even academic experience? Traveling. I love the traveling. I loved making friends with people from other teams, which you think, oh my God, you shouldn't be friends with other people for, no, like we would enjoy it because we would compete and we needed to compete. And then after hang out, um, I think my favorite place that I went to while I was uh, on the team was Idaho. Cause I didn't realize how great the potatoes and the steak and all of that was. Like when I tell you we were eating up there, we were eating, we would get per diem so you can go eat wherever you want. But um, I enjoyed it being able to see different parts of the country that I probably would not have wanted to go to on my own. And because of that, I'm able to be a jet setter. I also studied abroad too, while I was a student athlete. So it gave me a taste of the United States as well as the world at large. Um, and then our gear was amazing as well. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about all of the stuff that probably wasn't important, but it was important to me. <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. Um, so you, you say you were able to study abroad. Where, where did you go? I was in Panama. So um, they speak Spanish there. And it was the first time that I was able to see people who look like me that were speaking Spanish as a first language. Now, for me, because I was coming from Tallahassee, I'm born and raised in Tallahassee as well as where Florida State is, Tallahassee. So I didn't get exposed to that many cultures until I went to college. And then when I studied abroad, I just thought it was amazing to just see beautiful people out here speaking Spanish. And it was very strategic when I went, because like I said, Florida State, when you're competing, it's until like the beginning of the summer. So I could only go for a portion of the summer before I had to come back here and start training again. So I went for, I think, about six weeks of summer and stayed over there. And it was just, it was amazing. Nice. Oh, mm -hmm. very nice. So law school, what led you to become a lawyer? Um, it was something that started back when I was in third grade. I met a judge. She came to our class, our school to speak. And I just knew that I wanted to be her. I wanted to be a judge. And so my mom explained to me that in order for me to become a judge, I had to go to law school. So pretty much since third grade, I knew I was going to have to go to middle school, high school, college and law school. So was Florida State what you wanted to become? Was that a consideration for when you were picking your schools? Um, yes. Basically what I did was I researched what majors you had to have in order to get into law school. And, um, the one that they were saying was, uh, political science, English, all of that. And I was like, well, I don't want to do anything that's boring. I want to do something that I love, which I've always loved to write, um, and to read. So I was like, okay, well, let me pick English. And instead of me doing one of the boring concentrations, let me do a fun concentration. So creative writing. Um, and then Spanish, I chose that because I love the language and coming into college, I had already had enough credits to already be at, I think a minor level. So I was like, well, let me just go ahead and major in it. Like, let me just go ahead and finish it out. So I did that. But in order to get into law school, I, I, Florida State was a good choice. One, because of the name itself, Florida State, it's a great school. And then two, they had the major that I needed to get into law school. So I was like, okay, and my sport. Cool. Let's do it. Almost perfect. You got to mm -hmm. stay in Tallahassee. 
Yeah. And I was being recruited by Florida State. So Coach Metters, you know, knew about me, came to the meets, asked me to come join the team, this, this and that. So it was just a win-win. I felt like it's where not only I wanted to be, but where I belonged and where they wanted me to be. So what what are some important things that you think younger athletes should look for when they're choosing the school? I mean, obviously, you know, if they're being recruited and say maybe they're being recruited by multiple programs, but then you have to really decide where you're going to actually land. What are those things that they should focus on and look for in a program? I think you got to focus on your end goal because no matter what, your body's only going to be able to do sports for however many a number of years your body's going to be able to do it, but you're not going to be able to do it for life. So you have to think about your end goal. And my mom has always been a big proponent of academics. So I believe in that. I'm not just going to a school just to do sports. I'm going because I need to be educated as well because nobody can take your education away from you. You could get hurt playing sports. I've seen people seriously, you know, get very sad when they're not able to compete anymore. And for me, I felt a little bit of that when I broke my foot. Like, okay, is this the end for me? You know, what's going on? So you can't put all your eggs in that basket. Even if you go pro, if you're going to go be a professional, you still have to know what's your end game. Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you want to start businesses while you're playing sports? You know, different things. So I would say look at the school first and what academically they have to offer you. And then also look at your coaching staff and see if you get along with them. Um, And that comes from visiting a few times. That comes from talking to them. That comes from talking to not only the people on the team, but the people that are going to be in your position. So I know when people would come to visit us, they would let them hang with throwers. If you're going to be a thrower, I need to even fill you out, you know, to see if you're going to be a good fit for me. And so we would actually, as teammates, have input on what what players were able to come to the school because we're like, nah, coach, like this person is too this, this and that. Or So you're actually making an impression on them, too, when you go to visit. So, yeah, I would say make sure it's a good fit academically. Make sure it's a good fit, a supportive community for you. Um, and I don't know. Just just go with your gut. <laughs> So basically, they're interviewing you and you're also interviewing them. So you actually need to prepare questions for them just as much as as you would prepare to answer their questions. Yeah, we already know if you're going to be too cocky, that might work for football. (laughs) But when you come into track and field, like I said, everybody is intelligent on that track. Everybody is pretty much a very good seasoned academic professional at that point so you can't come out there you know just being boisterous you got to be humble as well because like I said we also have input on who gets recruited it's been people that I'm like yeah no or like yeah coach please get this person here and then when they come they already feel like family because you've hung out with them but think about your end goal so for me law school and I knew having Florida State on my resume to get into law school was going to be a very a very good thing to have yeah, I agree. I agree. So and we didn't talk about this, but my brother was also a Florida State athlete as well. Um, so he was four years before me. So I was mad because right when he was leaving out, I was coming in. So I had his whole legacy that was there. All of the football players, the other athletes still knew him. So instead of me being Kyla Coleman, I was Lil Coleman for like at least two years. Mm. So I started making a name for myself. But in retrospect, that was a good thing to have, too, because our name is already established Um, because of him and the caliber of athlete that he was. So people just expect the same thing out of me. I didn't have to prove myself to anybody. 
<clears throat> yeah, that's that's a good thing. And sometimes, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't want to be called Lil Coleman, but okay. Well, I'd already been. Yeah. Because <laughs> we went to the same high school, same middle school, all of that. It was a K through 12 school. It was Florida State's K through 12 school that we were at. So I was kind of already used to it, but I think it's, I'm better now because I've made up my own name now in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Attorney Coleman. That's right. <laughs> so um, what are some other tips that you will offer to younger athletes and maybe even parents? I would say for the athletes, get everything that you can out of that school. Everything. If you want to take some muscle milks home when you get done training, take the muscle milks home because they're not, I mean, I don't know if they're paying athletes yet or not. You know, I, th- I know they're talking about it. Get everything you can. If you like the gear, get extra gear. Ask for extra gear. Also, take advantages of of the services they offer. Just like the sports performance uh, coach, go see that person. Even if you're not dealing with sports performance anxiety, it might just help you to become mentally strong, period. You might be dealing with anxiety in other areas that are totally outside of athletics that it can help with. Or sometimes you just need somebody to talk to, and it's free counseling there, you know? Um, and also be very aware of your body. Don't let anybody tell you something is okay if it's not feeling okay. So be very vocal about your health when it comes to being an athlete, because sometimes your body doesn't feel like your own. I know my body personally did not start feeling like my own until I left college. Cause you're always being poked on, prodded on, stretched. Uh, it's like your body belongs to another, um, entity for four years of your life and if you're like me and you've been playing sports since you were four your body never really feels like it's your own so you have to be an advocate to let them know if something hurts um if something doesn't feel right all of that stuff you got to be your own voice and then you know talk to your coaches stay in contact with them because when you leave if you you know are going to be a professional athlete great you got a support system if you're going to just be a professional and other things they may be, have the key to your success as well. They may know somebody that may be able to help you, whether you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, any of that. And I want to say this. At Florida State, a lot of the women that came out of my team specifically are doctors. Um, I think I'm, I might be the only lawyer, but it's a few of them that are doctors and they're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Engineers, uh, teachers, professors, all of that good stuff. So get what you can out of them. So you're right. Sport. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's a smart sport. Um, oh, and for the parents, be supportive. Like, make sure that you come to the meets. Make sure you mingle with the other athletes, too. I love other people's parents. Like, it's, I love my, my mom. Like, she's amazing. They love her, too. But I feel like parents might feel a little safer when they actually know who their kids are around and when you have a connection. And it also helps with homesickness because... I remember a lot of my friends that were coming from different states, specifically North Carolina, up north, Philadelphia, that they were very homesick a lot of the times. So their parents would send packages or their parents would come visit and that would just boost them immediately because they're able to see their family. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as a lawyer, you, you practice Criminal law and family law, right? Yes. And I'm transitioning to more so being a legal analyst, so legal correspondent. Um, So I do court TV. I do local news here. I just really enjoy that. So, yep. So criminal defense, family law, and legal correspondence. 
Okay, cool. So I, I know what I don't know if you've ever worked with any athletes, <laughs> but but um I mean that could be helpful for some people who who are dealing with child support issues or domestic issues or yes. maybe some type of criminal history. We know that happens. Right. I was gonna but, say when I deal with the athletes, it's usually not the good stuff. The right. entertainment lawyers are who get the fun side of the athletes. But I've been able to look at um, contracts, though, which has been a blessing. I have friends that are professionals, um, and one is in the WNBA now. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, she's a friend. She's my friend's little sister. So I was able to look at that, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, So I'm proud of, you know, people when they get the professional contracts to do pro sports. So that's good. Well, any last tips you'd like to offer? Any last comments i would just say have fun if you're doing sports have fun and then also know that there is life after sports as well you can get into coaching you can find other uh, athletic venues too for me um ventures for me it was boxing i didn't realize i was excellent at boxing because i never was introduced to it when i was younger but it was finally when i got out of college i started boxing in law school and it was like, oh, my God, this feels just as good as track, you know? You're going to knock somebody so, out. <laughs> yes, and right. So it teaches you self-defense and things like that and being able to read people's body language. So just know there's life after sports. Um, but until then, until you get to that point, have fun. Have fun. All right. Big takeaway, have fun. Yes, always. All right, Kyla, thank you so much. Thank you all for tuning in, and a special thank you to my guests. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.